You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I was just finding it such an honor. So I know that um, we're in a series at the moment called Enlarge. Enlarge and... Uh, and at the same time, it's Memorial Day weekend. And if I was honest with you, I was preparing. I was preparing more for Memorial Day weekend than I was for Enlarge. But it's amazing because it's the same scripture and it's the same Bible. And it's the same spirit of God that, that has inspired both. So they're both going to dovetail together. But come with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. This is going to be our text today, our verse that we're going to jump on. And it says, and after him was Shammah. Shema in Hebrew means peace. After him was peace. After him was Shema, the son of Aji, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he, Shema, stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines, so the Lord brought about a great victory. So the Lord brought about a great victory. What an amazing story. I love this story. The, the context of this story is David's mighty men. David's mighty men. Uh, David was anointed by God to be the king of Israel. And one chapter after he gets anointed by God, he kills Goliath, the giant Philistine who was defying the God of Israel, defying the armies of Israel, and David takes him out. But it's very interesting that David built a team. David had these mighty men, and this is a record of the mighty men, and we're just landing on one verse because the Bible likes to retell the stories, the testimonies, the triumphs, the victories, the attributes of these mighty men. If I was honest with you, when, when we were moving from Sydney to San Diego, the Holy Spirit was very, very clear. He gave me very, very clear instructions, almost, almost to the point where I would say uh, a warning that when we get to America, that we're to avoid mogs. If you're wondering what mogs is, it's man of God syndrome. The man of God. From the age of three, he knew he was called. At the age of five, he no longer ate human food. In the morning, he would rise and there would be manna, the bread from heaven that would fall down. He knew that. <clears throat> man of God syndrome is wonderful if you're the man of God. And for everybody else, they're just... And it's, it's prolific here. And uh, it's... Jesus walked on water. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus calmed the storm with a word from his mouth. And yet Jesus built a team. If there was one person who could have gone solo, I was going to say if there's one person who could have gone Lone Ranger, but even Lone Ranger had Tonto. So if there's one person who could have gone it alone, it was Jesus, and yet he built a team. The Bible says that he, he didn't give himself to all, but he gave himself to the 12. He poured himself into the 12. So, so God made it very, very clear when we come to San Diego to, to kind of almost uh, take a stand against 
what I believe can, can be a little bit of a, a, a distortion in a kingdom culture where we have the man of God syndrome. Now, we still honor, we still honor position in the kingdom. We still honor those that God has anointed. But I recognize very quickly that honor must be trinity. God is a trinity. The Father honors the Son. The honor, Son honors the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit honors the Father. And honor keeps moving. And so, so honor must be not only up, but it must also be out and must also be down. Must also be down. So we honor people when they serve. We honor our amazing kids' church workers. We honor our amazing high team. We honor those who, who came in early this morning to get everything nice and clean and get the chairs set up. We, we honor our music, musicians and singers who, while we were probably just waking up and yawning and having a cup of coffee, they were already here rehearsing the songs. They were here praying. And so honor must flow in three directions. And uh, David here has, has a, a list of men on his team. And the Bible is so beautiful that it, it tells us about these men, this great team, these mighty men who walk with David. And one of the guys we're going to find out is Shema. But I just want to take a moment to honor Pastor Michael and Lisa Hundley, your amazing pastors, who I honestly believe are two of the finest humans that you can meet. They are just... They have strengths where we need strength. They have kindness. They have compassion. They have grace. They're incredible team builders. They're wonderful team players. But I'm telling you, I know that they're exploits. I know it was their prayers, their leadership that landed us this building. I've got no doubt. I've got no doubt that we're going to move from a tent to here and then from here to what is going to be unbelievably extraordinary. And, uh, and it's because God loves this great couple. And I just want to now honor the great team that is around them here. So here, here's this story about Shema. And I want to give you three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts because it's Memorial Day weekend. And I was telling the, the 9 a.m. service that it took me four years to complete a national anthem in a football stadium. And it wasn't that I didn't know the words. I learned the words before I even moved to America. But I, what I didn't, what I didn't, kind of prepare myself for was the patriotism that was here. The very first, very, very, very first game that I went to was up in Green Bay. It was the Green Bay Packers against the Washington Redskins. And the, the Yahoos in front of us were Washington Redskin fans. And they got there, they got there probably about an hour and a half, maybe two hours early. And, uh, and I had no idea of the, in Australia, tailgating is, is following another car too closely. <laughs> So, so my friend goes, yeah, yeah, they were tailgating. I'm like, wow, man, you must have a good eye. Like, I, we were behind them on the freeway? You know, they're like, they've been tailgating for two hours. I'm like, they're following cars around at, like, close proximity for two hours? And then I realized what tailgating was. But, but you know, they, they, were, they were, you know, I mean, this, is, this used to be a nightclub, Mulvaney's nightclub, and now it's a church because we're taking ground. You're sitting in God saying, hey, I'm taking ground, whatever. And these guys were, you know, kind of taking ground in the other way. And uh, they were quite inebriated. So their language was a little bit colorful. And they were telling some of the cheese heads, you know, that the Green Bay Packers have the cheese head, you know. And so, you know, there was some back and forth banter. And there was some threats of fisticuffs and... You know, everything was going to take place after the game. I'm like, whoa, what, this is my baptism to a game. 
But then when, when everything was about to begin, ladies and gentlemen, would you please be upstanding for the singing of the national anthem? I honestly, I honestly was caught off guard because these same guys who were using colorful language and threatening to fight people around them and had way too many beers stood up. Each one of them removed their hat, put their hand on their chest and began to sing the national anthem. And I knew I'd learn, I'd memorize the national anthem. I thought, I'm going to join. But when I saw, you know, 60 or 70,000 people in Lambeau Stadium singing the national anthem, I think I got about halfway. I think I got to the rocket's red glare and then I couldn't sing anymore. I couldn't sing anymore. And then I thought, oh, the next time, I'll get it the next time. It took me four years to finally com complete the national anthem. And, and I love the last line. Land of the free, home of the brave. And I just want to just say to you that we are the land of the free because of the brave. Because of the brave. Because of the brave. There's, a, there's an ancient Chinese proverb that says that the man who enjoys the shade of a tree, the man who can sit and enjoy the shade of a tree should be thankful for the man who sowed a seed generations before. The man who enjoys the shade on a hot day of a tree ought to be grateful for the man who generations earlier went to that plot of ground and planted a seed. The, the, the great tragedy of the human condition is that, 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 that we are almost... We almost work against a curse of what I call a short memory. We, we, we work against a curse of a limited peripheral. Uh, peripheral is that which is uh, uh, apparent that what we're aware of. Like we have blind spots on cars. Yeah, right? We have blind spots on our cars that flash so that you don't change lanes and run someone off the road. Uh, because we have blind spots in our peripheral. We don't, we don't see completely. And one of the great tragedies is that we can so be busy enjoying the freedoms that we have in 2021 without, without any acknowledgement, without any being reticent or even conscious of the fact that the freedom we have today is because somebody just a few years ago left the United States of America, went to Afghanistan, went and hunted down ISIL, hunted down ISIS, hunted down Al-Qaeda, took down, wiped them off the mat so that we can have freedom today. We have freedom because young men gave their lives in 1944 to depose Adolf Hitler, to depose a Nazi regime. We, we, we have freedom today because of the generations before that fought. And that's why you'll find in this church that, you know, I have a little bit of a reputation of oh, that pastor of Awakened Church. Yeah, you know, they, 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 they'll even talk about politics and church. Politics and church shouldn't go together. Let me just tell you why I do that. Because the politicians are so freaking corrupt that they don't want Bible coming into so guess what we're going to do we're going to and let me tell you where i stand is we don't so much support political parties as we support biblical truths and wherever those biblical truths land in a political party they're going to have my support wherever those biblical truths are rejected from a political party but i'm telling you the swamp in washington the corruption there and this is why i get all indignant because 
there are, there are men and women in suits, in positions of power, that, that, that fly on private jets, that, that, that are multimillionaires on a public service income, multimillionaires who send our young men and women into unnecessary wars many of the time because there's political gain for them, there's financial gain for them, and then when they fall, when they die, they show no respect. In fact, they will champion and honor the people that desecrate the flag, that burn the flag, that kneel on the flag. That, that and so all of that, I'm telling you, ticks me off. And if you think that's just me, I want you to know it's God as well. God cannot stomach dishonor, and it is the height of dishonor. You may not agree with everything that America has done. Let me tell you, America is not perfect because humans live in America. Last time I checked, there is no human that's perfect. Well, there was one, but we crucified him. But other than that, there is not one perfect human. But America, she is unlike any other nation that has ever existed on this planet. They try to tell you, now watch this. The party in power that I honestly believe are not legitimately in power, but fraudulently in power, I want you to know they used to, they used to pipe off that they were the ones fighting for the little guy, fighting for the little guy to achieve the American dream. But if you've looked at their narrative lately, they've changed it. They say that it's impossible for, for, for people to achieve the American dream because America is so racist. America is so bigoted. America is so corrupt. America is unjust. America is unfair. They've changed. And they're no longer f fighting for people. And yet the, the, our borders are overrun with people that don't believe the lies that they're piping off. If America was so unjust and if it was so difficult to achieve, why, why are they flooding all of our borders trying to get in? It's because what Washington is telling you are lies, lies, lies. And so we're here, we're here to stand in a field full of lentils and say, you know what, when it comes to, to America, we may not be able to save all of America right now, but our field of lentils is is San Diego, and we're going to take a Shema. We're going to stand in this field, and we're going to call out your lies, and we're going to call out your corruption. We're going to honor those who have fallen. We're going to honor those who have given their lives. We're going to honor the flag of the United States of America. We're going to champion righteousness. Anybody that puts on the anybody that puts on the uniform, anybody that puts on the uniform, we will honor in this church. I can't tell you how many times Leanne and I have flown on, on planes or been in restaurants. We, we were out one night having dinner, and there was a Marine, with a, with a, and he was in uniform. And he was sitting with a beautiful young lady, dressed in a beautiful dress. And as soon as they were eating, she kept crying. And the, the, the waitress told us that, you know, they were, you know, he was being deployed. And, uh, and I said, here's my credit card. Make sure that he doesn't pay. And she says, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I'll let him know. I said, no, don't, don't let him know. Don't let him know. And at the end, when he went to look for the bill, and she told, he's looking around the room. He's looking around the room to see. But I don't, I don't know if he made it back. I never saw him again. But I was determined. I had the power on that night, on that night, that if he was, if he did take a bullet, if he did, that he would, he would be giving his life knowing that he was giving his life for a nation that honored the uniform that he put on. I don't know if that was his last meal. 
but I wanted to make sure that somebody else paid for it, knowing that he was paying so I could sit in that restaurant, so that I could enjoy peace in that restaurant. I love America. I love America. God loves America. Anyway, all right. So come with me. Three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. Number one, take a stand. In fact, I, don't even, I haven't even given you the title. The title of this message is, When Men Stand, God Arises. When Men Stand, God Arises. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in times of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. The, the, the 2020, I mean, we should have realized 2020 was going to be 2020. They say that hindsight is 2020 perfect vision. So we should have realized 2020 is not going to make sense till you get into 2021. And then you look back and you go, oh, you know, it's like 2020. Like, but when we were in 2020, my, what a year. Unbelievable. Everything that could have gone, I mean, it was like the wheels fell off, the wagon. We've got a global pandemic and lockdowns and shutdowns and shuttered businesses. And every week the, the CDC was changing their stuff and World Health Organization and global. And it, I mean, it was just insane. The depression rate, the suicide rate, the drug addiction rate, everything went through the roof. They said nightclubs, you're open. Strip clubs, you're open. Marijuana dispensaries, you're open. Liquor stores, you're open. Church, you're shut down. Should be the other way around, but no, they they and so we just we just thought, you know what, we, we just got to take a stand. After the the fourth life that we lost, none of them from COVID, all of them because of the lockdowns. After the fourth life was lost, I'm like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. Two years ago, we had 30 people in our recovery program. Now we have almost 300 in our recovery program. The Bible said, the first thing God said wasn't good was for man to be alone. Was for, we don't do well in isolation. Isolation is, is not only a form of punishment, but it's actually a weapon developed by the CIA to break down operatives. And so there was a, there was a power that came in in 2020 trying to break down your resistance, trying to break down your will. Let me just tell you this. The Bible makes it very, very clear that man was never meant to subjugate man. Man was never meant to dominate man. God created each man to live in freedom. The reason God has blessed America is because America most closely follows God's original intent in Scripture that every person has the right to freedom, has the right to liberty, has the right to the pursuit of happiness, has the right to justice. That's why God has blessed America. And so when all these lockdowns and all these shutdowns and everything else, and they said, you can't have church, we opened. We said, you know what, we're going to take a stand, we're going to open. So then they came at us, you know, with, with fines. And I'm like, that's fine, bring the fine. And it was so beautiful. Our, our businessman, Pastor Jesse Sullivan, was in his office. And just a couple of months ago, we had one of the other pastors in San Diego saying, man, we, we see you guys are still open in all your locations. We're like, yeah. He's like, man, we, we took a leaf out of your book. We opened last week and we got a fine. And he brought the fine. He goes, well, what, what do you guys do? Do you guys have like an attorney? You know, what do you, what do, you do with these fines? And he just goes, ah, oh, just do what I'm doing. And he goes over to his desk and he pulls open a drawer. He goes, just collect them. And the whole, the whole top drawer is just full of them. We, we're not paying them. We just collect them. 
they don't want to take us to court because they know they'd lose because we actually have a First Amendment. The First Amendment doesn't protect the strip joints or the marijuana or the liquor stores, or the, but the First Amendment protects the church. So we're just pushing back. But we had to, we had to push back against tyranny. We had to push back. This guy, Shema, when all Israel were fleeing, he, he, he had no more fleeing in him. He just stands in the middle of a field full of lentils. Now, I'm not even sure if he liked lentils. Like lentils. It's like tofu. But he sta- and he just unsheaths his sword. And there's one man standing. Everyone else had fled. Take a stand. And I've found this, that quite often when you and I take a stand, it's never that popular. It's, it's always the popular opinion. Everybody else is saying, everybody else is doing. Can you go against the flow? How many people know that even a dead fish can float downstream? But salmon spawn because they swim upstream. They swim against the flow. You were created to go against the flow of this world. You were created to go against, take a stand. Take a stand. What are you standing for? What are you standing for? The second one is heroes live principle over preference. Heroes live principle over preference. It wasn't that this man preferred lentils. It wasn't like, lentils? No one's getting my lentils. I love lentils. It wasn't like, it it wasn't about his preference. It was about the principle. The principle was, you Philistines, this land belongs to Israel. This is our land. You are not taking our land. And so it wasn't about his preference. We live in an age right now that has been corrupted by elevate preferences above principles. Well, my preferred pronouns are Z. Well, you know, that's not my preference. My preference is, if you said to me, hey, pastor, give me one key to ruining my life, I'd say it's very, very simple. Live according to immediate gratification. If it feels good, do it. If immediate gratification. But you will find to rebuild your life, to rebuild your life, the greatest thing you can build your life on are principles and the principles of God, the principles of His truth. We build our lives on principle. It's out of principle that we said we can't do this no more. We, out of principle, we're going to stand up and support Turning Point USA because somebody's got to speak up for the sanctity of life. Somebody's got to speak for the little babies in the womb that can't speak for themselves. So we thought we're going to stand there. Somebody had to stand up for the sanctity of marriage. Somebody had to stand up for, for the purity of our children in schools. We, we just finished a, a landscape project about six months ago. And we live on a, on a hill, and so the, the winds really hit our homes. And I had to rip out the stakes that they put next to the trees and go to Home Depot and, and buy uh, three-inch poles to put in there because the, the trees were growing crooked because the stakes were bent. The devil, through a corrupt government, are trying to put crooked stakes in the ground with our children, teaching them all kinds of perversion to get them to grow up crooked, and then they'll take no responsibility for the, for the, the mess and the brokenness and the devastation. But on our watch, we're like, no, 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 we're actually going to take a stand in this field. 
and we're actually going to bring in principles of righteousness, of truth. We love the youth enough to tell them the truth. So over there, they're learning how to treat people with respect. They're learning how to honor the flag. They're learning how to honor one another. They're learning about why sexual purity is a powerful thing. They're learning why. See, he takes a stand in a field, and it's not that big a field. It's just a small field. And you may say, well, you know, everyone else is fleeing. Why, why would he station himself in that little field? For, because it wasn't about the field. It was about the principle. Did you know that everything was lost? The whole world was lost in a garden. Adam and Eve in a garden, they, they were given dominion over the whole world. But in a garden, when they rejected what God said and they took and ate what was forbidden... The largest real estate transaction in human history took place where the, the keys and the authority was transferred, transferred to Satan. So much so that Satan could say to Jesus, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and their splendor. And he says, all these are mine and I can give some of them to you if you'll bow down before me. Jesus basically said, I ain't coming to bow down before you. I bow down before one, the one true God. But let me tell you, when I go through the cross, I'll meet you in hell. Not sure if you realize that, but when Jesus died on the cross, he took your sin and my sin. When you die in sin, you go to hell. Guess who went to hell? Jesus. Jesus went to hell on your behalf and on my behalf. But I've got some, I've got some bad news. Now, all the way through the Bible, wherever Jesus went, he behaved. Now, I know there was a smashed alabaster box with perfume. And, you know, I know. I know. And Judas said it was a waste. The one place he did not behave was when he got to hell. When Jesus got to hell, he wrecked the joint. When Jesus got to hell, he so smashed the gates of hell took the devil's head, crushed his head, took the keys of death, took the keys of hell and rose again on the third day so that hell has been hemorrhaging people ever since. Everything was lost in the Garden of Eden, but in a little place called Gethsemane, just outside of Jerusalem, just literally across the valley, the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem, Jesus in, in a garden redeemed everything. He redeemed everything in a garden. May I, may I tell you this, as a pastor for 30 years, I can't tell you how many people didn't realize that this little thing would have such a big impact. It, it, it was just a one night stand, but I didn't realize I would forever be living with a sexually transmitted, transmitted disease. I, I didn't realize unprotected sex would, I didn't realize just, it's amazing how many people made little decisions I had to bury a gentleman three years ago beautiful young man great future ahead of him he backslid just he thought just just one more hit just just one little hit of a drug that he used to be addicted to he was going through a stressful time tough time had no idea that the person had laced it it, it was laced with oxycontin so that he overdosed and his entire future, all, all his potential, now is in a casket. It was a little decision, but had a massive impact. But I want you to know 
the principle also works the other way. The principle also works the other way. When I met Jesus Christ, I was 18 years of age. I was a mess on legs. If I, if I was honest, when, when I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus, the way that I would picture Jesus would be like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Gabriel, quick, put, put some gloves on. Take Jurgen. Now quarantine him. Just in case angels catch something. I mean, I was a mess. And, I, and I'm looking at the mess of my life. My dad was an atheist. I grew up just at... And God just made it very, very simple. He said, just go to church every Sunday. I'm like, every Sunday? He's like, every Sunday. I'm like, what if the surf's good? Surf afterwards. Oh, yeah, I didn't think I... And so every Sunday. So I just started, true story. I just thought, well, I don't know how to clean up all this mess, but I, but I can do that. So I started going to church every Sunday. And then all of a sudden, like my life started getting better. But there were still some ceilings. Still some ceilings. I, you know, like I, I, was, I was lonely and I thought, I, you know, I... I God, one day I want to get married. And then he's like, all right, serve. I said, I don't think you heard. No, no, I said, I want to get married. And, you know, like, like a lot of us do, I said, and God, I've made a little list. And I want her to be all of these things because I'm so jacked up, she can't be. And God's like, actually, yeah, it's not how this thing works. He goes, I need you to serve. I said, like, volunteer? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> that means I've got to come to church early. Because I've got to leave late. Hello. He's like, exactly. So I was the chair setter-upper. The chair setter-upper. I had to make sure that all the rows were lined up in order, that everything was clean, everything was picked up in between services. Then when I did a good job with the, the chairs, they gave me the stage. They said, you make sure the stage and everything is where it's meant to be. And then after that, they gave me a, a little youth group. And I was serving. I had no idea that the reason that God said, I want you to serve is because I was asking for a bride. I was asking for a wife. And he says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to serve I'm going to get you to serve cleaning. I'm going to get you to serve. I'm going to get you to serve because I can bring you a bride, but you won't be able to keep what I bring you unless I develop in you the principle that if you want a great bride, you have to learn how to serve her. If you can learn how to serve on the days you don't feel like, if you can learn how to serve doing. If you can learn how to serve, you'll enjoy it. We've been married 29 years this year. And I'm telling you, the, the greatest joy, the greatest delight, I honestly feel like I'm, I'm the most blessed man on the planet, married to the most beautiful woman on planet Earth. It's just because God took a broken son of an atheist, says, get your buttocks to church every Sunday. Now that you're in church, start serving. Because I learned, if I could... Then he said, now I want you to tithe. And I'm like, okay, God, this is where I tap out. I've heard of this tithing thing. It's 10%. And he's like, exactly. I'm like, and it's the first tenth I've heard. He says, that's right. I said, all right, God, let me just explain something. Let me explain it to you. I'm not making it on 100%. I don't know how I'm going to pay off this credit card. I don't know how, like, I'm not, I'm struggling on a hundred and you want me to live now on 90. It's like, exactly. 
And I'm like, okay, God, you're, you're out of touch with reality. And then he says, no, no, I determine reality. I create reality. He says, you're living with 100% under a curse. He says, but if you'll honor me with the first, the 90% will be redeemed from the curse and come under my blessing. True story. This is how good God was to me. I was earning $186.40 a week as, a, as a, an apprentice. But I didn't want to break it down to $18.64. So I, took, I just took a $20 bill and I put it in the offering. True story. I come home and my desk in my bedroom had shelves above it. And on the shelf was a $20 bill that I never put there. So I thought, oh, mate. So I said, mom, did you? No, no, I didn't put the $20 bill up there. And I'm like, so it wasn't my mom. So I'm like, I knew it wasn't my dad. And because uh, he was so ticked that I'd gotten saved. So I said to my little brother, I said, you know, hey, did you? He's like, no, but I'll take it. And I'm like, no, get your hands off it. And I'm like, God, what is going on? He's like, I I'm just showing you that you can trust me. I haven't looked back since. I haven't looked back since. In fact, we give, we give well over 10%, closer to 30, 35% and don't lack we find give and it will be given you'll enlarge your, as your faith enlarges your world will enlarge God's blessing will enlarge over your life but you'll find that as you take a stand and then you live by principle not preference you'll find that God's power begins to flow and the third point third point is it okay I know the, the music's been up there for a little while I always feel sorry for the, uh, the person on the keys alright when courage rises in men, God moves mightily. When courage rises in men, God moves mightily. I honestly don't believe that you can separate the word courage from faith. God is moved by faith, but, but every act of faith in the Scripture required courage. Required courage. For, for, for Gideon to go down to the water with 30,000 soldiers and God says, you got too many. Ask anybody who's afraid of dying to put their hand up and 20,000, two thirds put their hand up and he says, send them home. So anyway, he's got 10,000. He's going against an army of 50,000. So God is, and then God says, there's still too many, still too many. Take them down and get them, get them to have a drink. And all those who put their face in the water, no good to you. But the ones who bring the water up, he goes, they're the ones. And there was 300 that ate like that, or that drank like that. And God says, they're the ones. 300 against 50,000. And Gideon never flinches. He walks into battle, 300 against 50,000. And the Lord brought about a great victory. The Bible says here that Shema stations himself in the middle of a field. He turns around, unsheaths his sword, and takes on an entire Philistine garrison single-handedly. And the Bible says the Lord brought about a great victory. The Amplified Bible says, and the Lord brought about a great victory and, and Shema's hand cleaved to the sword so they had to pry the sword from his fingers. The sword in the scripture is the word of God. Is the word of God. What do I do in the middle of a battle? Cleave to the word. How do I take a stand? You cleave to the Word. Until the world looks like the Word, I'm standing in this field. I'm standing in this posture. I'm standing in this position. 
well, don't you know what the CDC is saying to you? you? You guys shouldn't even be open. You shouldn't even be having church. You guys aren't even social distancing. You don't even work. And, and we got hit after hit after hit. Negative news report after negative news report. But I just knew we needed to stand on the Word of God. We needed to stand on the principle of the Word of God. The people needed connection. People needed fellowship. People needed engagement. People needed to hear a message of hope. People needed to see smiles. Little kids in kids' church needed to see the smiles of the caretakers taking care of them. You stand on principle. You stand on principle. When, when courage rises in men, God moves mightily. God moves mightily. God wants to move mightily. Do you know behind every single miracle in the Bible, there was faith. There was courage. God is looking for courageous men, courageous women. I believe that He's found a room full of them. He's found a room full of them. Shema means peace. And He stands there. And he fights for principle. So many of us, we, we struggle. You can make everything better today. Make a decision. I'm going to stand in this field. I'm going to cleave to the Word of God. The Bible says, honor God with the first fruits. I'm going to do that. It's amazing how many people have the, the Schmeagel syndrome. Because how many people know that God doesn't need your money? Anybody? How many people know God doesn't need, God doesn't need your money? Yet he asks for it. Hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If he doesn't need my money, why is he asking for it? Maybe it's not about the money. The Bible says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. God knows if he has your treasure, he has your heart. If he doesn't have your treasure, maybe he doesn't have your heart. Maybe there's a little schmeagel in there going, My precious, them filthy little hobbits would kill them. No, no, master's good, master's good. No, no, them streaky. Maybe, maybe you can't because it's in your heart. But as you release it, make a decision. I'm in church every Sunday. Come hell or high water. In fact, I would even say this. The times I had the greatest breakthrough in church was the days I least felt like turning up. Were the days where I'm like, you know what, I'm not even gonna, I don't, I just don't feel, when I, my God, those were the most powerful moments. When I began to serve on a team, when I began to honor God, when I began to apply His Word in my life, even though the whole world was going this way, when I started living that way, I found the power of God coming through. You may have lost things, you may have made some bad choices and lost things. But you know what? Don't let the devil tell you you're out. Did you know the Bible says that a live dog is better than a dead lion? A live dog is better than a dead lion. In other words, if you're still breathing, you may have made some bad choices and ba made some bad decisions. But today, the Holy Spirit here can empower you to make a good decision, to make good decisions. And the first of those good decisions is give your life to Christ. If you've never given your life to Jesus, friend, the reason you're here is to do that. Everything changed in my life when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was on a beach. I wasn't in a church. I was on a beach. I was trying to get a, a sponsorship. I wasn't sure. I was 18. I was thinking maybe I want to be a pro surfer. I don't know. And instead of a sponsorship, I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and everything changed. When I made a decision, that I'm following Jesus, everything changed. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Maybe you're here today. 
You need a fresh start. The Bible calls it born again. That can be yours today. Maybe you're here and you grew up in church or you once walked with God, but you're away. You slipped away, fell away, ran away, turned away. You're just away. The world that we live in makes it so easy to get away from God. But you're here today because God so loves you. He set up circumstances and situations to, to get you here today to tell you I love you, I'm for you, and I have a plan, a marvelous plan for your life. If you'll just trust me, just trust me. The Bible says, if you return to me, God says, I'll return to you. If you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you'll respond to him, he'll respond to you. So if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life or you once did and you're away, or maybe you're just here and you're just far from God. The most beautiful thing about church is you don't have to leave the same way you came in. You may have arrived far from God, but you can leave connected and reconnected. So if you're one of those three categories, you've never given your life, you once did and you're just away, or you're here and you're just far, while every head is bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you just to lift a hand so that I can see and I'm going to say a prayer for you in about 30 seconds time if that's you you're one of those three categories and you'd love for me to pray for you would you quickly just raise your hand with no one looking around so that I can see and pray for you thank you darling thank you who else is there just lift it up so that I can see it and I'll pray for you thank you sir I see that hand thank you thank you I see those hands thank you anybody else thank you through there I see that hand thank you up there I see that hand anybody else anybody else thank you another hand Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I feel like there's just one or two more. I am out of time and I need to hand over. But is there just one more? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you, darling. I see your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. Thank you. Is there one more? Is there one more? I am out. Thank you. I see that hand, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? So many people responded. Today is your day. Thank you, sweetheart. I see your hand. God bless you, darling. Anybody else? Wow, so many hands went up. Let's just, for, for a quick second, just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And then I'd love, I'd love for you to, to pray this prayer with me, especially those of you that raised your hands. But the rest of us, church, can we say these beautiful words to this prayer with the people who are raising their hands? Let's say these words out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that you so love me that you sent Jesus Christ, your only son, on a rescue mission to save my life. Lord Jesus, thank you that when you died on that cross, you wiped away all my sin. You died in my place so that today I can be free, forgiven, healed, cleansed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God a great praise? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.